Welcome to today's edition of the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm your host, Lori Boyer. In addition to feature reports, I'll bring you a look at regional and national agricultural news. And the show starts right after this. Hi, friends. Jason Scott here, CEO of JCS Marketing. I want to personally invite you to My Ag Night on November 2nd. Look forward to seeing you there. Hey, it's Jesse Waters from Fox News Channel. Hope to see you at My Ag Night on November 2nd. It's going to be a night you will not want to miss. Agroplante is the leading manufacturer in specialty products. Agroplante formulates products that rise to the challenge of today's growing conditions. Saline and sodic soils reduce crop yield and cause significant crop losses. Agroplante developed Cation EX5 Plus with growers in mind to manage soil salinity. With multiple years of research, Cation EX5 Plus has proven to be an excellent source of calcium and an effective soil salinity manager. Run it through drip irrigation without any issues. Simplify your application method with innovative and efficient formulations. Alleviate salinity stress with CAT Ion EX5 Plus. Agroplante. Imagination. Innovation. Science in action. Funding to develop safer pest management techniques or expand their adoption is available now through two grant programs sponsored by the Western Integrated Pest Management Center. The first is the Western IPM Center's annual grant program, which is making $320,000 available for research, work groups, or outreach projects that promote smart, safe, and sustainable pest management. The center released its request for applications and will accept proposals through December 8th. Western IPM Center funding has been used by a variety of local districts and nonprofits, as well as university researchers and extension faculty, to tackle priority pest management issues throughout California and the West. That, according to Western IPM Center Director Matt Bauer, he says this year they're increasing maximum funding per project to $40,000. Western IPM Center grants are for one-year projects that begin in the spring of 2024, and the primary applicant must be located in the western region which extends from colorado to american samoa the other integrated pest management grant funding announced focuses on diversity equity inclusion and accessibility in the pest management community with about two hundred thousand dollars available nationally the western and other regional ipm centers have open requests for applications for grants fellowships and mini grants with a goal of making diversity, equity, inclusion and accessibility both essential and commonplace within the IPM community. For more information log on to westernipm.org. A Minnesota horticulture teacher has set a new world record in California for the heaviest pumpkin after growing a giant jack-o'-lantern gourd weighing 2,749 pounds. Travis Geinger of Anoka, Minnesota won the 50th world champion pumpkin way off in Half Moon Bay, south of San Francisco, with an enormous lumpy orange pumpkin that could produce at least 687 pies. The previous world record for the heaviest pumpkin was set by a grower in Italy who had produced a 2,700 two-pound squash in 2021, according to Guinness World Records. Geinger grows his gourds in a pumpkin patch in his backyard. He said this year he decided to give his plants extra care, watering them up to 12 times a day and feeding and fertilizing them a bit more than usual. Geinger, a landscape and horticulture teacher at Anoka Technical College, has been growing pumpkins since he was a teenager, inspired by his father, who also grew them. He first competed in Half Moon Bay's annual weigh-off in 2020 and has won three of the city's last four giant pumpkin contests. The pumpkin champion won a $30,000 prize for growing the biggest pumpkin and setting a new world record. 
After years of service, Don Gann is stepping down from his leadership role as president of the Fresh Produce and Floral Council, according to a news release. The FPFC is a California-based advocacy organization with a mission to empower its members and advance the fresh produce and floral industry through education, professional development, and networking. The FPFC Board of Directors plans to hire an interim executive director to assist during the transition and then begin a search for a new president to lead the association into its next chapter, according to a release. Don Gann has been a driving force behind the FPFC success. His vision, leadership, and tireless efforts have propelled them forward, ensuring that their industry remains resilient and adaptable. That according to FPFC board chair Michael Shutt in a news release. Gann's tenure as president has been marked by significant achievements according to the release, such as fostering key industry relationships, increasing membership, expanding educational initiatives, and enhancing the FPFC's presence as a leading fresh produce and floral advocate. Instacart and healthcare provider Kaiser Permanente are going to study how convenient access to nutritious food affects health outcomes. Lack of proper nutrition is the number one driver of poor health outcomes in the U.S., contributing to higher rates of diet-related diseases, according to a news release. Barriers to food and nutrition access are not experienced equally, with low-income and rural communities and historically marginalized racial and ethnic groups being most impacted by food and nutrition insecurity. The study will target Kaiser Permanente Northern California and Southern California Medi-Cal members who have diet-related diseases, such as type 2 diabetes. Kaiser Permanente will provide participants with Instacart Health Fresh Funds, grocery stipends that can be used to purchase nutrition foods and pantry staples, such as fresh and frozen produce, legumes, plant-based oils and spices from a curated virtual storefront. Participants will have items delivered to their homes via Instacart. This is Kaiser Permanente's latest addition to its food as medicine portfolio that includes building the evidence base for food-based interventions to treat and prevent diet-related diseases, according to the release. These efforts include support for medically tailored meals and produce prescriptions targeted to meet specific nutrition needs. The study will measure the effects of providing funds to purchase nutritious groceries for Medi-Cal patients with diet-related diseases. It will measure blood sugar levels as compared to the usual standard of care, reported food and nutrition security, diet-related disease quality of life, patient readiness to change, and hospitalization or emergency department visits. The results will provide further evidence on the effect of food as medicine on health and the healthcare industry. California Governor Gavin Newsom has signed the first in the nation law to require corporations doing business in California to add up how many tons of greenhouse gases they emit each year and make the information public. The new law will affect roughly 5,300 businesses with more than $1 billion a year in sales, including companies like McDonald's, Walmart, Chevron, and Home Depot. The law is expected to put pressure on businesses to reduce pollution when researchers, advocacy groups, and others issue a biggest polluter list showing which companies Companies emit the most chemicals that are warming the planet. In addition, Newsom signed more than a dozen other significant environmental bills that were sent to his desk from the Democratic-controlled California legislature. Those include, starting in 2035, all of California's public school districts will be required to choose zero-emission school buses when purchasing new buses. And he signed a new law regarding pesticides and bees. A common class of chemicals called neonic pesticides will be illegal to sell at garden shops and other stores starting in 2025, as studies have found the pesticides are particularly harmful to bees and other pollinators.
The next one is a battery safe bill. Last fall, a fire broke out at the Elkhorn Battery Storage Facility in Moss Landing. The blaze triggered a 12-hour shelter-in-place warning for Monterey County residents over fear that the large number of lithium-ion batteries there could explode or release dangerous fumes. This new law requires industrial battery facilities, which are essentially power plants that store electricity from solar farms and other renewable energy sources, to be used at night to draw up emergency response and community notification plans and submit them to the counties in which they are located. He also signed a bill that would require people or companies who acquire oil wells in California to be required to put up a bond with the state oil and gas supervisor in an amount sufficient to cover the cost of plugging the well and cleaning up the site, usually at least $25,000. There's an estimated 5,300 orphan wells in California, which can cause pollution when owners go bankrupt or disappear. The California Farm Bureau is praising the signing of Assembly Bill 1016. The bill will help to expedite training and licensing programs that will allow more farmers to use drones for pesticide applications. According to the Farm Bureau, the aerial spray technology will allow farmers to save on crop protection costs by allowing drones to target affected areas. Farm Bureau President Jamie Johansson says that the bill will allow farmers to have better access to innovative technology to gain even more efficiency and safety. Officials say drone use can also replace backpack spray and ground-based delivery systems with remote technologies which protects agricultural employees from close contact with pesticide applications. Biopesticides are rapidly increasing in awareness, advocacy, demand, and usage, and in the wake of California Department of Pesticide Regulation's Pesticide Roadmap, released earlier this year, it's perfect timing. Even better, more active ingredients, sources, products, and improved formulations are hitting the market. So thinking about biopesticides now, as well as best practices, would be beneficial to the grower or consultant. The first step in using biopesticides is to know what the active ingredient is and how it works. Sometimes it is a toxin, sometimes they could be um, you know, synthetic uh, natural chemicals and sometimes they have microorganisms. So each one works differently. We need to understand the mode of action and how it works on a pest at a particular life stage. So the long-term benefit for some of the biologicals is that one thing is that they help break the resistance development. When you are alternating with the biologicals, the synthetic materials with biologicals, they break that resistance. Uh, that, that helps protect uh, the existing effective synthetic materials to be able to use for a long term. And other things are that if we are spraying microbials, some of them are soil-borne uh, organisms, so they can persist in the environment longer and probably they provide long-term benefit like that too. Uh, and other strategies for effective use are understanding their compatibility with other tank mix partners and then use them effectively and how do you store them? Do you need to refrigerate and do you need to keep them refrigerated as you transport to the field? When is a good time to apply them in the, during, the, you know, during the day or it, is it in the evenings or night? So all these things help to make best use of them and increase their efficacy. That was Surendra Dara with the Northern Willamette Research and Extension Center at Oregon State University. Growers that are already familiar with biopesticides might also have some confusion surrounding the availability of products. Are there too many products on the market or too little? 
Dara said the answer is actually both, depending on the crop and the pest. There are too many options for some, uh, but if we are looking at just biopesticides, there are a lot more than what we had 5, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, but, you know, there is still a dearth in some areas, like we don't have enough for all kinds of pests. But generally, we have a decent number of bacteria, viruses, fungi, and botanicals. And now we also have RNAi-based biopesticides. So there are several options. Are they registered in every state? That's another story, but we do have um, an increasing number of options, uh, at least in the near future, if not already. In terms of current needs for biopesticide production, the gaps lie in research, things like developing effective use strategies and evaluating efficacy, and educational opportunities. We have limited research, and um, we really need to work with companies and government, you know, for grant agencies, universities and growers to increase the research efforts so that we can generate more knowledge about how best can we use them. The other one is education. That's part of related to research, uh, you know, having more information and additionally understanding how to use them. Uh, that's one big gap I continue to notice, uh, people not knowing what is in the product and how to use them. You're listening to My Ag Life. I'm Taylor Charlstrom. Smart growers know sustainability means managing pests at the same time they manage other priorities in their fields, which is why smart growers know Certus Biologicals. For more than 20 years, Certus Biologicals has been the world's leader when it comes to biological pesticides, delivering proven solutions that keep operations sustainable and growing. Learn more at CertusBio.com. Superfresh Growers has introduced the Apple and Pear Industries' first fruit bag made from post-consumer recycled plastic, or PCR. Post-consumer recycled plastic is made from things that people recycle daily, like plastic bottles, milk jugs, and other bags, all sourced from USA recycling centers and can be continuously recycled. Superfresh Growers' PCR bag is SGS Global Services certified. The Superfresh Growers' PCR bag is SGS Global Services certified and Food and Drug Administration food contact approved. The recycled materials in this PCR plastic originated in the United States. The cost of these bags is similar to a bag made from 100% virgin plastic, which is truly a win for the consumer, environment, grower, and retailer. This initiative represents one of the many efforts by Superfresh Growers to reduce its ecological footprint and conserve resources, according to the company. Tyler Widebender, Director of Sustainability and Packaging, says the PCR bag was an idea they formed a couple of years ago. They wanted a solution that could utilize recycled plastic resin and give it a new life. As more products utilize PCR, it will help to generate a market for that recycle stream, driving demand and increasing recycling rates. The complicated project closed one of the last recyclability gaps for super fresh growers. There were hurdles, but their local printer was aligned with their concept and helped make it a reality, he says. The super fresh growers PCR bag can be recycled through current plastic bag and film recycling streams, such as in-store drop-off. As this innovative design is added to their packaging lineup, super fresh growers is excited for continued growth in packaging sustainability and carbon footprint reduction. With a team of seasoned experts on the task, it is the only the beginning for sustainable strides to come, according to the company. 
New restrictions have been put in place for transit through the Panama Canal as the low water crisis continues to plague ship movement there. On September 29th, the Panama Canal Authority Vice Presidency for Operations released an advisory to shipping stating that due to the ongoing water crisis currently experienced in a canal watershed, the Panama Canal Authority finds it necessary to implement additional changes to the transit reservation system rules based on the reduction in daily transit capacity. Therefore, effective November 1st, 2023, a new booking condition will be implemented based on the adjusted capacity of 31 vessels per day. Under this new condition, named booking condition 5, a maximum of 30 booking slots will be offered, 8 in the Neopanamax locks and 22 in the Panamax locks. American Commercial Barge Line said on their website that due to the lack of rainwater, there is a significant delay to transit through the Panama Canal. Both north and southbound vessels are multiple days behind schedule with smaller vessels averaging almost two weeks worth of delay. In turn, expecting a delay to berthing schedules in the Gulf, which include New Orleans, Mobile, and Houston. Canal authorities expect the drought to persist into 2024. The Agricultural Marketing Information System's October Market Monitor report says that fertilizer prices were mostly higher in September, as were the prices for the main fertilizer inputs. Farm Policy News from the University of Illinois says price movements for several fertilizer categories were influenced by strength in the Indian market and uncertainty around exports from China. Amos also says these two countries will be a major influence on market developments, as will demand for the fall appreciation season in the Northern Hemisphere. Fertilizer inputs like natural gas went higher in September, markets should be focusing on monitoring EU stock levels, which are currently near capacity. Ammonia prices also surged in September, supported by major plant outages. Ammonia buyers also showed unusually strong interest during this time of the year that is normally a quiet period. Nitrogen fertilizer prices rose in September. Urea price increases were driven by concerns about Chinese export levels. Due to the workforce challenges that the agriculture industry continues to face, USDA has instituted a pilot program called the Farm Labor Stabilization and Protection Pilot Program. Deputy Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation, Gloria Montano-Green, discusses what she sees as possible benefits and desired outcomes for improving the ag workforce via this new pilot program. So what we're envisioning is for a lot of those employers that have maybe raised concerns about having difficulty to have some of the financial assistance as they transition into providing some of these support or needing to have some better knowledge of what are items to apply within the H-2A process or needing to have respective support. That is what we're thinking will come out of it. It's going to be an incentive designed to be able to benefit the worker and the employer. So if there's an expectation for some labor standards improvement, how are we able to support that and to be able to alleviate the cost to implement it or the design to be able to implement it? So that's what we're really hoping for. And then expanding the countries of where the workforce is coming from. U.S. ag employers that meet federal criteria are encouraged to apply for a grant from USDA to assist with workforce issues. Applications are due by November 28th. More information is available online at ams.usda.gov front FLSP. JCS Marketing is your number one way to connect with the ag industry. Through print magazines, digital media, podcast and live and virtual events jcs marketing has the reach to inform educate and influence growers in the western united states everywhere you go you see west coast net magazine on every one of my customers tables so that tells you everything 
That's that, it's there, so they're reading. Our My Ag Life platform includes podcast interviews and digital articles for busy professionals on the go. Our live events, continuing education webinars, and virtual conferences help growers connect with leading researchers and industry leaders. Let JCS Marketing help you connect. That will wrap up today's show. You've been listening to the My Ag Life Daily News Report. I'm Lori Boyer. From all of us here at the JCS Marketing Team, thank you for listening. (laughs) 